You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Turkey, or Mashed Potatoes, or whatever you're going to be eating today. It is a Thanksgiving Day edition of Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing on this wonderful Thanksgiving morning? Uh, Well, I feel a little bit sick. It's Thanksgiving, but you know, um, to to those of you out there who desperately need some Milwaukee Bucks talk to break up, <laughs> you know, uh, bad political conversations with relatives. Yeah, or, Uncle Jerry's or, going off on what he saw or, on Facebook right now. It's not great. <laughs> or, uh, you know, if you've got a long drive, uh, hopefully we'll provide you at least something to to pass the time. By the way, shout out to uh, C.J. Robinson, uh, frequent listener, commenter on Twitter. Uh, told us that you know we've been we've been kind of bumming out his wife I guess because they they drive in the car together in the mornings <laughs> and they listen to the podcast. I know CJ's daughter I think is a is a baller. I think he mentioned her a year ago. So a whole family of Locked On Bucks listeners. So shout out to CJ and uh, hopefully this was recorded. He he tweeted that this like right before I posted the uh, the conversation yesterday or two days ago about where we at least started with the herd and the things <laughs> happening with the herd. So. I don't know, CJ and your wife. I hope. Uh, I hope that at least, um, you know, took at least some of the. I mean, I'm, I'm mixing holidays here, but you know, we were we've been kind of grinchy of late. Uh, we have, I think, with some some good reason. But um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, that at least made your drive a little less negative. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. I mean, we're coming off a victory. This Phoenix, this should be box, okay. But I, well, I don't know. I mean, there there was plenty to to not feel great about in that game, but. <laughs> Just a weird, uh, not por- not particularly well played basketball game. Although considering the players involved and all the circumstances, I don't know if I'm that surprised at this point. Yeah, I I think throughout the night I was kind of tweeting like this is exactly what you'd expect a Bucks Suns game to look like, and yeah, that that was pretty much what I expected a Bucks Suns game to look like. Uh, just sloppy basketball played at kind of the sun's pace because like we said the bucks are struggling with their identity right now so the game kind of gets played at whatever pace the other team chooses uh and the suns decided that they didn't really want to play defense for much of that game and just kind of get the pace up and run and give up some easy baskets and that's kind of exactly what we saw uh chris middleton goes for 40 points Nine rebounds, three assists, uh, four steals for Middleton. Eric Bledsoe, in his return to Phoenix, goes for 30 points, seven assists, six rebounds, uh, two steals, and then also seven turnovers. So it was ugly. Uh, and really, when you look at this Bucks, looking at the box score, my God, 40 for Middleton, 30 for Bledsoe, 16 for Thon Maker um, as he was hitting mid-range jumpers. And then 14 for Malcolm Brogdon. And then 5 for Glove Jr., 2 for Sterling Brown, 4 for Tony Snell, and 2 for DeAndre Liggins, who played 41 minutes and also added 5 steals, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists, and 2 blocks. Um, so I this game is just kind of all over the place. But uh, I guess let's start with Middleton and Bledsoe, because those were the two guys that... The Bucks didn't really have much going on offensively. There, there wasn't much of a flow for any of the game. Really, it was okay. Chris has the ball, or Eric has the ball, and they're probably going to end up shooting it. And I mean, for a while, that that kind of started Chris Middleton's hot start. He got going in the first half, and then he was able to carry that through the 
the rest of the game. Uh, I know both Middleton and Bledsoe struggled a little bit more in the fourth quarter and overtime. The over overtime was a literally a rock fest. Uh, fight ten. Uh, 10 it was not- sorry, rock fight. Yeah, I got it. Uh, ten Miss points. A, Miss a Palooza, something like that. If it was yeah. Rock fest, yeah. Uh, so ten. 10 points scored total in that overtime period, but I think, let's see, four of those came in the last 30 seconds on free throws for the Bucks. so before that, the Bucks were outscoring the Phoenix 4-2 for the first, I think, three and a half minutes of overtime. Um, it was not pretty. It was not good. Uh, but the Bucks sneak out with a win, 113-107, and I guess in a game where Giannis doesn't play, one, this is kind of what the Bucks look like without Giannis. Uh, and two, you got to win without Giannis. That that seems like it should be a win. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we could maybe just talk briefly about missing Giannis. And this was something that uh, was revealed on, on game day. Uh, Jason Kidd saying that he was going to miss the game due to right knee soreness. Um, obviously a frustrating thing to hear given... This is something that um, I think what Giannis missed what one game last year with right knee soreness, um, oh. and then obviously uh, there was the big kerfuffle with the Greek Basketball Federation this summer over uh, him being held out of uh, you know international play this summer with Greece due to a similar injury, and obviously the accusations that he wasn't really hurt from the Greeks, and um, I think Bucks fans probably feeling very good that he did not play, especially given that this has now cost him a game this season. We know it's been something that's been floating around that he's occasionally had to deal with. Um, and so obviously everybody gets understandably nervous seeing Giannis be held out for any reason, um, serious or otherwise. So um, that's obviously something that we're going to have to monitor in the long term. Um, I think, you know, seeing Giannis's minutes, 38 minutes per game, Jason Kidd has had some, I mean, he made some comments about a couple weeks ago referencing players back in his day or whatever used to play a lot of minutes and mm-hmm. that I think that justifiably should have made us nervous because you know again just because guys used to play more minutes doesn't mean that you want to run guys into the ground now especially if Giannis has a history of you know a repetitive sort of stress injury like like what he seems to have with the tendonitis in his knee um, so anyway that was all very aggravating and got got the day off just to a great start um, seeing your best player you know, out with an injury that he's had previously and which he's, you know, currently playing tons of minutes. And yeah, so we started with that whole background of frustration. So let, let me pause there for a moment. Any other thoughts on that? Because again, he's supposed to be back on Saturday, but this is something that again, you know, uh, they're going to have to figure out ways to cut down Giannis's minutes and be more selective. I think, I mean, you know, like him playing 40 minutes in a Dallas game that you lose by 32 points. Like you can't do that. Like I mean, it's just it can't happen, you know. I mean, I'm I'm all for playing guys in in crucial situations and sometimes playing in big minutes because you need them. But um, I don't know. You just have to be smarter. And obviously, right now, it, it's frustrating to see Giannis missing games early in the season. Yeah, I think your your last sentence there is is where my head's at. I don't think there's anything about being selective about Giannis's minutes. Play him a lot in games that are close. If you're getting your ass kicked, take him out of the game. Like, just don't be stupid. Is really what I, the way I look at it. Like, if you want, if if Giannis is going to be in the top five or top ten in minutes, I think that's generally fine. Like, guys that are very good play a lot of minutes. That's okay. But if there's nights where you can take them out, take them out. And if that means giving up on a game two minutes earlier than you thought you needed to. Okay, that's that's totally fine. Like, like you said in that Dallas game, him to play forty minutes is uh, I don't even know inexcusable, indefensible, illogical. Any other words you want to use there, I think would be totally fine. So um, I, I don't I don't necessarily think like they need a, a minutes plan or anything like that. Like they just need to not be stupid with it um, and playing him forty minutes in Dallas was stupid. So uh, they need to clean that up be better about it uh and then just going forward i'm curious if if this is the new normal like once every how many games are we into the season 15 or so once every 15 games does he need to to sit out is it a new normal or was this just kind of a one-time thing and 
I'm also curious, uh, Giannis mentioned something in talking with Matt Velasquez about the injury, about just being confident in it, and I do wonder, because with the Greece situation, that was a situation where, I mean, it was kind of a mess. He wasn't getting the ball very much, he wasn't playing very much, like, I do wonder if it, the knee injury starts to flare up more, like, when he gets frustrated. Um, if that's if those are the moments when he starts to try to do too much, and the Bucks have been losing uh, ugly lately, like I don't, I, are the moments where obviously I've written about Giannis kind of being a basketball lunatic. If are the are those the moments where the knee really flares up when he's frustrated, when he's really overworking himself, when he's just pushing too hard? Is that when? when the knee kind of flares up. So um, I'm just, I mean, like you said, we're going to have to keep an eye on it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again at some point. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be something to monitor, and I don't think that's ever anything you want to say with your your franchise player. No, clearly not. And um, I think when we turn to this game, um, you know, speaking of big minutes, probably not as surprising to see guys get big minutes tonight because, A, it's an overtime game, and, B, not only are missing Giannis, but obviously we heard about Mirza Tladovic being out for about a month now uh, due to right knee surgery. I don't know if right or left knee, but, but knee surgery. John Henson was out of this game due to that eye procedure. Um, and, I mean, let's start with the starters. Uh, this was a really weird starting unit we saw, and I don't know what the theory was other than I guess they wanted to just put Glove Jr. on Devin Booker and annoy him to start the game, but the fact that you put Gary Payton and Malcolm Brogdon and Eric Bledsoe on the court to start, I mean, is this the weirdest lineup you've ever seen from Jason Kidd to start? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean that, that is saying something. Yeah, um, I, I don't have an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of, of Jason Kidd's lineups. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this just, this just struck me as just a very curious choice to start the game the vote um, the vote of but, confidence for glove jr is very confusing to me yeah i i kind of wondered like is this i mean are they trying to get like a like a real assessment on glove jr because of other stuff that's happening um obviously Dally being out you know creates more of a window for him but um he's been with them a fair bit now right i mean yeah. I'm, i don't know i'd be curious to know what the i don't know what the clock is on his two-way contract but um you know, he's a guy that... Uh, you don't think he's in the 20s already, right? Something like that, right? I mean, it seems like he's been with them a lot. And, I mean, tonight, so he, he's only played nine minutes due to fouls and then uh, a sprained ankle. So, presumably, he's going to be, you know, officially sent back down to the G League while he's hurt, obviously, because they don't want to run um, run the clock while he's you know can't play anyway. But um, in nine minutes, five points, he did hit a three, three assists, um, no turnovers, four fouls, uh, plus five in nine minutes. Um, I mean, I thought he did a nice job annoying Booker. Took obviously, um, a, you know, so a couple of chintzy fouls that maybe you don't want. Um, but it did seem like that was really just the goal was to put somebody on Booker to just annoy him. And um, you know, it, it was nice to see Brogdon, although he only finished with fourteen points on fourteen shots. Um, he made some big plays, uh, especially in late in the game. He had a couple of end-to-end finishes, yep. maybe taking the you know taking the responsibility over from Giannis, one with his left, one with his right. Um, but generally, a very weird, uh, weird lineup to start, and equally weird lineup to to finish and go throughout the game. Um, and, and you know, with Peyton getting hurt, I mean DeAndre Liggins. You know, DeAndre Liggins playing forty-one minutes. I I don't. If a month ago you had told me that DeAndre Liggins and Joel Ballenboy would be Milwaukee Bucks and they would play a combined sixty-one minutes in a game that the Bucks win in Phoenix, I would not have believed you. Um, but that is what we saw last. Or night. your imagination and, really would have ran wild. I and mean, I'm like, oh yeah. my god, what happened? Yeah, what happened to the Milwaukee Bucks season? Um, but yeah, uh, role players stepped up. I mean, you know, Ballenboy didn't even score. By the way. Jim Paschke was saying Ballamboy. I was think I was saying Balamboy the other night. Or, or wait, what did what did he say? Balamboy. Yeah, he Balamboy. he was doing Lam, which I feel yeah, okay. very confidently is wrong. Um, but I need to talk to Jim about it because Jim doesn't tend to get those type of things wrong because he's a no. professional and he's been doing it forever. So um, I need to have a conversation with Bucks PR. 
<laughs> Either way, Joel, uh, Joel, Joel B, um, <laughs> ends up coming to the game. <clears throat> so I'm bouncing around a little bit here, but um, let, let's actually let's talk a little bit about Thon Maker because Thon Maker scores career high or season high 16 points, eight rebounds, three blocks tonight. Um, box score wise, had clearly his best game of the season, and yep. probably the most notable thing about him was in the fourth quarter. What did he hit? Did he hit three mid-range jump shots yeah. that were pretty critical to keeping the Bucks in the game? Um, obviously, he actually grabbed some defensive rebounds, which was nice. Blocked some shots, which is nice. Um, and was having a very nice game um, and, and an encouraging game, right? Getting a chance to start <clears throat> with Henson out. Um, I think some of the same problems that we've always seen from Don, I mean, he had a couple of very weak attempts to finish at the rim early in the game that is obviously still something where his strength is just i mean it's not there you know i mean yeah like <clears throat> i remember there was one play where um where they were going in transition and it's like thon can run like the wind but do i have any confidence that you could throw him the ball on a break and he'd be able to like finish if a guy was near him not oh, really no. um so it was kind of a you know obviously it was encouraging to see thon kind of play within himself i mean I'm not thrilled at the idea of him reverting to spotting up from mid-range rather than from three-point range because, I mean, unless he's going to be the best you know, mid-range jump shooter in the league, it's probably not going to be a really high-efficiency place to live. But if this is how he gets some confidence to take shots, eventually stretch himself back out to three-point range, then I think that's a plus. Um, but... Unfortunately, uh, the game, you know, he nearly ends up costing the Bucks this game because he takes a very ill-advised foul on a three-pointer late in the game. What was there, like 4.7 seconds left or something like that? Like five seconds, something on that yeah. order. Um, <clears throat> bites on a pump fake, you know, gets a hit for a, three, a foul with the Bucks up four. And obviously the Suns could have also hit a three-pointer. That also was possible, but... Um, gives away three cheap points late in the game when you know your only instruction is to put your hands up and don't foul, and obviously the Bucks eventually on this Devin Booker three, which we'll talk about as well, uh, send the game to overtime. But I don't know. I mean, what were your thoughts on Thon? Obviously, a, a frustrating way to see him foul out um, and give the Suns life, uh, but overall tough not to be encouraged at least by him. You know, putting together a, a pretty good all around effort. Yeah, I mean, you look at kind of like you said, they weren't. They weren't just shots that he made. They, they were big shots. And I know Eric Bledsoe uh, tried to stay away from making a Sam Cassell reference uh, after the game, but he, he mentioned that Thon had some big ones. Um, and, yeah, the, the, those were some, some big shots uh, that Thon had. He hits one, one jumper that puts them up or, excuse me, brings them to within two at 92-90. He hits another one that ties the game at 94-94, and then he hits a third mid-range jumper, uh, which tied the game up at 99-99 with 112 left. So all of those come in the final five minutes, and, I mean, that's that's not something you really expect to see from Thon lately with the way that he struggled with his shot. You mentioned the fact that they're all mid-range shots instead of threes, and yeah, that, that's not ideal. You want them to be threes, but if it's going to take two weeks of Thon shooting mid-rangers uh, and feeling some confidence and feeling some flow before stepping back out to three, you know what? I'm fine to live with that. Like That, that can be something that hopefully builds up his confidence and lets him get back to being a player that you want to see out on the floor, um, but uh, at the same time, man, for is solid that he, he looked offensively late in that game, just defensively throughout that game, it, it has been kind of the same struggles. Don appears to be lost on defense as guys were, I mean, the the, just all the pick and roll coverage is is just really off for Thon right now. I know there was a spot where I think Mike James rejected the screen, and what I mean by that is they were going to run a pick and roll. He was going to go to his right, and then he just decided that okay, they're not doing a good enough job forcing me in to that right, so I'm going to go left. And he went left, and Thon, who was over on the other side by his right hand to high hedge that decided to go chase all the way after him. 
and it was just like thought it's over like don't like you're you're ready so far out of position you're not going to chase this guy down there's no way or, and really no reason for you to go help and he chases someone down and then ends up getting in the way of i think it was either tony snell or chris middleton as they were trying to recover to a shooter and it was like yeah that's what happens and there's there's just so much energy right now from thon thon's trying so hard and he really wants to do a good job and to an extent i saw someone mention on twitter last night but he's kind of turned into Jabari in that regard. Like, Jabari tries really hard on defense. Like, there's no doubt about that. But that over-eagerness ends up putting him out of position more often than it puts him in position. And some of those same things are happening with Thon right now. And, um, I mean, I think that that foul on Tyler Eulis was kind of a, a nice encapsulation of the problems Thon has defensively right now. You're in a situation where you're up four. The... There's literally one instruction for a defensive player. Don't follow three-point shooter. That's it. Literally, that is, in that situation, in any basketball game, that is the only instruction. You can give up a two. You can, I mean, you're not trying to give up a three. You want to contest it. But literally the one thing you can't do is follow three-point shooter. And Tyler Eulis gets ready to try a step back. And Tyler Eulis is five foot eight. Five foot six, like Thon has a solid foot and a half on him, so he tries to step back. And if you just put your hands up, contest it, close out under control, that's a really tough shot for Tyler Eulis. And you know what? If he hits it, man, hats off to him. But also, you're still up by one. You can inbound the basketball, and everything will be fine. And they don't get a chance to set their defense. They didn't have any timeouts left. They literally just have to try to cover you as you inbound the basketball, and you're probably going to get it in with ease. You're probably going to get it into the person that you want, and you're going to go down to the other end, and you hopefully you would make two free throws, and instead you follow them. They get a chance to set their defense, and they get a chance to... I mean, the Bucks almost turn it over in that situation. Malcolm Brogdon inbounds the basketball to Chris Middleton, and the Bucks were lucky that in review it didn't somehow go off of Chris Middleton to end it, because then it would have just been a straight-up turnover and the Suns were down one and have a chance to win it. Instead, it goes out of bounds, and then we can now talk about the final sequence of the game as uh, the Bucks are able to get that inbounded, and uh, they are able to hit two free throws, which is nice. Uh, that, that wasn't exactly how uh, the fourth quarter went down the entire time, uh, but they are able to... Eric Bledsoe hits both of his free throws, puts the Bucks up, 105-102 with four seconds left. And again, in this situation, there are a number of schools of thought, and I think all of those schools of thought are fine if they are executed correctly. And the Bucks did not execute it correctly. In that situation, you could fall immediately. Ball gets inbounded, fall, and then the other team goes down to shoot two free throws. Maybe they make the first one, miss the second one on purpose, or they make both, and then you continue to play that game. Or you decide not to follow, and you make it really tough on that team, and you put hard pressure on every pass, every dribble, everything. You just make it as difficult as possible. You get to the three-point line, contest as hard as possible, and if they get past you for a layup, okay, that's fine. That didn't appear to be what the Bucks were doing. Eric Bledsoe was nowhere near Tyler Eulis. Uh, Tyler Eulis makes a simple point a to point b pass to devin booker like uh, there was was there anyone in between that passing lane other than eric Bledsoe? i don't think so uh and booker gets the ball fades away hits 28 point or a 28 foot three-pointer and the game goes to overtime and during the post game uh jason kidd mentioned that they wanted to foul on the inbound but they didn't get that done and then once it got to Booker, he was fine with the with the contest with the contest, and uh, it just seems like there wasn't really a plan there. No, and that's the problem, right? I mean, I think I think you said it right. Like, it's one thing if you don't foul, but you pressure the inbound and you make it hard to do that, right? Because they have no timeouts, so they have to go the length of the court to get a good shot. I mean, Eric Bledsoe 
conceded like 40 feet of, of territory. Yeah, he wasn't like, close. Like, it's like, I mean, think of it like a football game, right? Like, you're just conceding field position the way that they just let Ulyss get the inbound. Ulyss had no pressure to make the pass. Um, even if you pressure him um, and don't foul, at least make it hard to make that pass, right? I mean, it, it's crazy. And then the fact that as Booker's taking that shot, well, I think on the video there were like at least two bucks who were standing inside the three-point arc. And, and, like, and to go with your football analogy, okay, give him the first 20 yards, but then that means you have all of your de- defenders lined up at the 30-yard line. There was two guys on the goal line. What are you, yeah. gonna, what are you doing? Yeah, it, it was just, I mean, it was poorly executed, and we were discussing before the call. Um, I could have sworn Jason Kidd similarly um, had a situation like this a year ago where the Bucks did not foul late in the game, up three, and he again said after the game that I told the guys to foul. Um, Man, I can't figure out what game executed. it is, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, so I don't know. If people can remember when that was, shoot us a note on Twitter, because I'm, I'm, I am curious um, which, which game that was. But I'm, we both can feel like that happened a year ago as well. And so either way, I mean, this is something teams practice, they talk about, right? It's not like it's a rare thing to be up three late in the game. Um, with the other team having the ball. So, um, again, and not every coach is going to foul. It depends on the situation, the amount of time on the clock. Um, there are a lot of variables. And, again, if you play good defense all around and you have a good strategy, it's not like the end of the world to just concede, a, a you know, to let the team try to get a shot off. Because in that situation, you you may very well end up with a you know even more difficult shot than, than Booker had. And to be honest, I mean, that was still a difficult shot, right? It's not yeah. like it was a wide-open shot. Um, but you also know that that's the guy – that you want to go to so um so yeah just really poor execution down the stretch whatever the coaches have wanted them to do clearly it wasn't communicated well they didn't do it guys didn't know what was going on and obviously it was botched and the bucks you know nearly lost a game because of it and by the way i need to rewind a few minutes okay we got to be careful comparing thon and jabari in any way defensively (laughs) I, I will say this. I think Jabari tries hard enough so that he thinks he tries hard, but then his brain shuts down like 15% of the time and he just doesn't do anything. Whereas I Thon, understand I think how extreme that is to say. And the brain farts that Thon has had in the last month, I but, think but, I think yeah, justify it. Well, but Thon doesn't stop, though. Like, Jabari just stops. Like, Jabari, if, if Jabari's on a fast break... There is no oh, more sure, helpless. Sure. You know, like I mean more Jabari, like the mental mistakes. Like Thon's making Jabari level mental mistakes right now. Well, okay, but at least Thon keeps going. <laughs> sure. Better or worse. Sure. Um Jabari just sort of like, uh, just like you know, the shutoff timer just goes off and he's just and it just it just stops. And I don't even know if it's intentional, but it just happens. Anyway, um yeah, and there were a few plays tonight, especially I mean I, I know, did Chandler have a couple of value dunks where Thon didn't come out aggressively. Mm-hmm. And again, this is the problem, right? Like if you don't like if you don't always play the same way and you want Thon to play different guys differently or do something different in different games. I mean, the Bucks don't blitz every pick and roll, right? It depends on who's, you know, who's there and, and, and whatever. Yeah. Um but it's clearly an issue when a guy, you know, he's he's clearly not he doesn't have a sense at this point for how he's supposed to defend if he's not, you know, blitzing a pick and roll, right? Yep. And that's obviously a problem. It's like if you always have guys play one way and then you occasionally like don't have them play that one that way, or I don't know, maybe they were supposed to and they just didn't. Yeah, it's tough. But either way, I agree. I mean, Thon, there, there are definitely a lot of moments where for Thon, it's like, you know, don't confuse activity with productivity. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, I think with Thon, a lot of it's just, you know, again, like getting him more reps, getting him to sort of harness things and slow the game down for him so mentally he can use the tools that he does have. Um, and, and obviously he's got some there despite obviously the lack of strength still being a major, a major issue. So, um, anyway, we talked about that. We haven't talked about Chris Middleton or, or, uh, Eric Bledsoe yet. Um, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. How does Chris Middleton go for 40 plus in two games this season? And we don't like lead with it and be like, Oh my God, Chris Middleton. Like it, it's just, it's so funny that Chris just kind of has a game that just makes you like not necessarily want to think that's the most exciting thing. Um, in in that oh down the stretch, maybe 
he forced some jumpers or he wasn't he didn't look quite as good or uh there's just always a little bit of something like oh he's only three of nine from three even though 33 percent is generally fine like oh if it had been four for nine then you could be really excited i don't know there's just always something to it that keeps us from wanting to be like this was the chris middleton game yeah and i think at least this one I felt like a lot more stuff was in rhythm. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like he forced as much stuff, and obviously he's going to have to probably force more stuff. I mean, it was it was kind of interesting because it generally felt like the offense was more flowing, and I think a lot of that was just because the Suns just don't really make life hard on the perimeter. <laughs> like, you can get <laughs> into all. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, you can get into stuff, and you can run your offense, and they're not really going to take you out of that. And um, you know, Chris, I mean, big credit to him. He, he played a ton of minutes tonight, 46 minutes, hits 14 out of 26, um, nine rebounds, three assists, four steals. Uh, he's up to 19.9 points per game on the season, 5.7 rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.4 steals. Shooting, uh, I think his true shooting is up to 54.5%. So close to average now, and, and obviously hopefully that will continue to, uh, to head in the right direction. But, yeah, I mean, I thought Chris was um, – Obviously, he was really good tonight. I mean, you know, again, they needed him to get shots up because of Giannis being out, uh, and he did that. And I thought he was—I thought he was obviously much better than, than Eric Bledsoe, who put up numbers in his return to Phoenix with 30 points, uh, I think seven assists, six boards, a couple steals. Um, but just a weird game. For he Bledsoe. was trying so hard. I mean, it was weird. It's like he was trying. He was like trying too hard. He took some like difficult jumpers, but hit a lot of them. Yeah. But then he also, like, just some of his turnovers, he just looked, like, so loose with the ball. Like, he yeah. didn't look locked in a lot of the time. Like, he, do, he just looked kind of careless. Um, there was that and, one and, in the fourth quarter where he just, like, was driving and was about to, like, bring the ball up and just, like, threw it in the air. Flubbed it. And yeah. it was like, yeah. what? You, how do you make that mistake? Or the time when, who was it, Mike James pressured him on the sideline and he was just, like, really loose with the ball. Mike James gave him just a little bit of pressure and he, like, bounced the ball off his own leg. And it was like, what? That's a mistake you made? Like, DeAndre Liggins only had one turnover and he didn't have any like that. Like, how do you have two like that? You're Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, and he's, he struggles from the line. Um, did hit at least some free throws late in the game, but... Um, but that was a major issue. I think he started, did he start like one out of seven, I think, from the yeah. throw line? Um, Six or 13 very, on the night. Very strange for a guy who, you know, his career has been a very good free throw shooter. So, um, yeah, a weird game from Bledsoe. Um, you know, he stuffs the sat sheets, um, but seven turnovers, five out of, sorry, six out of 13 from the foul line. Um, you know, he's a career 80% free throw shooter. So just just a weird game from him, 11 out of 26 from the field. They hit two out of five threes, so um, so that was nice to see. And I thought, you know, the crowd was definitely on him uh, yeah. early. Um, and it was uh, it was good, I think, to have him hit a couple shots early to get them off his back a little bit. And, you know, I think he had, what, 16, 17 points in the first half. Um, and then, you know, obviously uh, continue to make some plays, but also blow some plays uh, throughout the game. So uh, definitely an uneven night from him. He played 45 minutes, um, which is a lot. We've talked about him also having, obviously, you know, concerns about overdoing it with, with his knee. And so you have to hope that, you know, they can obviously get his minutes lower moving forward. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a successful revenge game for Eric Bledsoe, but it was definitely a kind of game where, <laughs> you know, like like a lot of the decisions Eric Bledsoe made tonight, you would not want him making, especially with Giannis on the court. Like there was a lot of forced stuff tonight. You kind of hope that that is not going to be a harbinger of, of things to come. Yeah, and uh, I, one I wanted to thank you on Draft Wednesday for gifting me Chris Middleton. Thank you very much. Um, we talked about it. Or at, right as soon as so we we do draft Wednesday. Obviously, go check out our friends at Draft. Uh, you can download the app or you can go to Draft.com. And we were doing our draft, and we got to a spot. Frank, you were drafting what sixth in our league, and I was fifth. yeah, I was the last pick. Yep. So you had two, and Chris Middleton was there, and you decide I, I I picked Bledsoe. Yeah, picked you, Bledsoe. you you decided on Bledsoe instead of Middleton. I went revenge game. I went revenge game. <laughs> I mean, it was still. I mean, it was. Still and like we're talking well for you too. Bledsoe still put a big night. A big night. Um, I, I mean, I, I did poorly as usual in our in our draft league. So shout out to whoever won. But, um, but yeah, me. Middleton was a. What's that? It was me. 
It was you? Oh, okay, so Middleton carried you. All yeah, right. like we got to the fourth quarter, and I just needed a couple more baskets from Middleton, and that was exactly what he gave me. He gave me those two free throws, and then I got to say, down the stretch of this game, I think the best the Bucks looked was on the three Middleton hits to put them up 102.99, and it was, if I remember it correctly, they were running high pick and roll, uh, with Bledsoe and Middleton, or excuse me, with Bledsoe and Maker, and Maker sets the screen high on the right side of the floor, Bledsoe streaks through the lane, then gets underneath the basket, skips it over to DeAndre Liggins in the corner, Liggins makes the extra pass and hits Middleton for that three, and that puts him up 102.99, uh, and obviously a, a huge shot uh, to, to put the team up by three with 42 seconds left. But also, I just thought, I'm curious going forward what the Bucks' offense looks like because Bledsoe does such a nice job in the first, like, two steps after a pick and roll. Like, he's so quick and fast that he gets into danger areas for defense where he's got the small defender on his back and then he's about to make the big make a decision and like that in between game for Bledsoe doesn't really seem there. Like there's not like a floater over the top. He's he's very athletic, but he's just small enough that I don't think he's feeling totally. Com- and maybe maybe this was just because it, it was a, a single game, but it, it just felt like throughout the game on Wednesday night he didn't necessarily feel 100% confident finishing at the rim, and obviously Tyson Chandler could be a big part of that, Uh, but you would have thought the times when Greg Monroe was in there that, okay, that's just a blow-by, and you're able to finish athletically at the rim. And that just didn't seem to be there. So, to me, one of the big things for this Bucks offense going forward, and obviously they have a number of identity issues to sort through with how they run things, how they get Bledsoe, Middleton, and Giannis enough uh, enough attempts, uh, enough possessions, enough usage, uh, enough flow. Like those are all serious questions. But I'm curious. Once Bledsoe gets past the initial defender, what happens then? Because it, it just seemed like so often he would get into that area against the Suns, and then just kind of nothing would happen. And and that's not ideal. Like if you get that step, you have that that guy that has that quickness that can be a game changer, you should be able to leverage it. And I'm curious to see how the Bucks try to leverage it going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where uh, you would hope, I mean, obviously we've talked about the Giannis, uh, Bledsoe, pick and roll combination um, with Giannis as a screener. Uh, uh, hopefully as well, I mean, I think I think Bledsoe got fun, a layup in the first half, but Bledsoe being able to get all the way into the paint and yep. either kickouts or, you know, can guys sort of figure out how they want to cut off of his penetration, you know, baseline Bari type type actions like that where guys are able to take advantage of him and, you know, can he develop sort of that that chemistry with those guys? That, that's obviously something we we would like to see. Um, we, we mentioned briefly, so we talked about Eric Bledsoe. Greg Monroe, I mean, we have to acknowledge you mentioned him briefly. Um, Greg Monroe had obviously a big night. I mean, took advantage of the fact that, you know, Thon and Joel Ballenboy uh, are not guys who are, big and strong and able to really prevent him from getting to his spots in the paint. Um, he finishes 8 out of 15 from the field, 22 points, 15 boards. Uh, and boards! Yeah, he had, he, had, he had 8 offensive rebounds, uh, and the this was a horrible defensive rebounding night for the Bucks. They collected just 57% of uh, available defensive rebounds. To give you guys a sense, they're normally in like the high 70s, and that's not even that good um, in the grand scheme of the universe. So um, so the the Bucks had lots of problems, as you might expect, grabbing defensive rebounds without Giannis, um, without Henson, who's not a great defensive rebounder, but has been certainly much better this season. Um, so uh, that was obviously an area where they struggled. But Monroe was a minus twelve, and you know generally didn't seem to be interested at all in defending Vaughn when he was uh, taking those jump shots. And nope. obviously, we've talked about uh, Greg's mobility on defense. Uh, this game featured two. Highlight real dunks from Chris Middleton. Uh, the first one, who was the first one on? Was it Josh Jackson or somebody? Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris, yeah, who's known to be able to get up. But Chris kind of did a Statue of Liberty open court one-hander past uh, Marquise Chris. And then in the fourth quarter um, with Troy Daniels guarding him, Chris just uh, 
turns on whatever jets Chris Middleton has, <laughs> goes left, uh, and then goes up for a one-handed dunk. And Greg Monroe, uh, I believe, I believe Matt Velasquez used the hashtag business decision. Oh yeah, Monroe, that, that was deciding. a business decision. <laughs> um, so Greg Monroe's rim protection has not. Um, has not really changed uh, since he left Milwaukee, uh, and and obviously the, the the numbers, you know, again, single game plus minus, obviously is is uh, can be a funhouse mirror. But um, you know, uh, the Bucks, at least for as much as Greg did, didn't really hurt them on the scoreboard while he was in the game. Um, and uh, otherwise, I mean, interesting to look at this Suns team. I mean, we haven't. T- I mean, twenty nine turnovers from Phoenix. I mean, that is insane. The Bucks have sixteen steals. You yeah. mentioned Liggins had five steals. Uh, Chris four steals, uh, Bowen Boy had two steals. Uh, so again, um, you know, forcing turnovers. Uh, obviously, that's something that the Bucks. If the Bucks defense doesn't do that, it doesn't really have much chance of doing anything positive. <laughs> Some and- of the steals were just funny. Like there was the one that Bowen Boy had where they tried to sk- throw a skip pass and they threw it at maybe seven feet, and like Bowen Boy caught in the middle, and you could just tell he's like. Wait, did that just happen? Like, did that happen? Did, did, just did, give me the ball. Did I go back to the G League? Like, yeah. that, that an NBA team just tried to make that pass, and like the Bucks uh, obviously didn't score a ton of points off of turnovers. I, I think they just get nineteen points uh, off those turnovers. Oh no, sorry, excuse uh, me, no, 38, 38. 38. Yeah. Uh, but even then, like twenty nine turnovers and still just like thirty eight, like which is solid. Like it's it's a solid night, but man, the. The Suns are just so sloppy um, and just making plays that, man, I, I just can't imagine NBA teams making. So shout out to Suns fans if you're getting all the way through that season. Yeah, and I mean, defensively, I mean, Booker was held to 8 out of 24 shooting. Obviously, it's that huge shot, but um, 23 points on 24 shots, you can live with that pretty yep. much every night. Um, TJ Warren, just 7 out of 20, scores 20 points. Um, I thought Dragon Bender looked good for for long stretches. Um, hit three threes, helping the the Suns come back and take the lead in the fourth quarter. Had six rebounds, a couple assists, two steals, and a block. But the only negative was five turnovers. But I think certainly he looked very good, and you know, as a guy that I think could be very intriguing moving forward. I mean, if if he becomes a guy who can like, and again, I don't know, I don't know enough about him. I don't think they really play him at center at this point. But if he ever got to the point where he could actually credibly defend the center position, Ooh, yeah. Um, he then becomes really interesting because he obviously has a very good touch and you know that was a scouting report got good feel for the game could put it on the floor a little bit so um so that was kind of an interesting thing to watch but you know phoenix just seven out of 22 threes so the bucks um for all the all these shots they you know again prevented the suns from taking a lot of threes i don't think you look up and down the suns lineup i mean the fact that you've got um guys like warren who doesn't like to shoot threes um you started ulis who doesn't really like to shoot threes um and you know Josh Jackson doesn't really shoot threes particularly well, um, and Mike James also didn't doesn't seem like he's. I don't know that much about him. Uh, by the way, this is the new Mike James, not the old Mike James <laughs> who used to play for the Bucks. Um, so they don't look like a team that is necessarily that scary from three, other than you associate Booker with doing that. But yeah. um, they didn't shoot many tonight, and not surprisingly, I mean, you take uh, twenty nine turnovers. 40% shooting overall and not many threes. Um, not surprising at all. The Bucks would have a very good defensive rating tonight, 97.8, which is very good. Um, offensively, we're not great. 103.3 uh, offensive rating, um, which, again, they didn't shoot well from three either, 8 out of 29. And, uh, you know, I mean, th- really the, the the defensively the biggest issue tonight was just the offensive rebounds, 22 offensive rebounds. Um, pretty much everything else at least went reasonably well, though, again, 33 free throw attempts, two more than the Bucs had. So um, I thought, but returning maybe defensively, I mean, um, Joel Ballenboy gave them actually good defensive minutes. Uh, yep. And he made a number of plays in uh, in overtime where he picked up Devin Booker or another guy who you don't necessarily expect Joel Ballenboy to be able to defend. And one of them he might have, I think he probably fouled Booker uh, yeah. on a pump fake but um, you know to his credit uh, you know he doesn't score a point oh out of three um, kind of bricked his only three-point attempt which he's he has hit threes in, in, in the G League so it's not totally out of his wheelhouse but um, the game offensively seemed a little bit fast for him he had a travel uh, where he was under the basket once you know just sort of seeing bigger bodies in the NBA more skilled more, more capable bodies um, he has an adjustment to make there offensively but defensively He's you know he's only six nine he's very springy he's strong um, 
And so I think that helped in that overtime because he was able to pick up smaller guys and challenge shots. And um, fortunately for the Bucks, you know, they were able to get a bunch of stops with him on the court. And um, again, is this you know a uh, sign of of Joel Ballenboy giving you minutes the rest of the season? Probably not. But um, again, it's encouraging that you know at least against the Phoenix Suns, uh, Joel Ballenboy looked like he was not out of his league, uh, literally and figuratively, um, playing defense in, in high leverage minutes. So I don't know how many more, I don't know how many more times we're going to be able to talk about Joel in in high leverage situations this year. So tip tip of the cap to him for uh, doing enough to uh, at least not not hurt the Bucks when he was in and actually make some plays. I think there's a very clear reason why teams like him so much and why he was going to be the number one pick in the G League draft. Like it's very obvious with him. He's super springy. He's very athletic. He can move around, defend a couple different positions, and he's still very strong in that six nine frame. Uh, so, so there's a lot to like there. Um, but ultimately, I think you have to figure out like, can he actually play center in the NBA at six foot nine? Maybe in the modern NBA he can. Um, and if that's the case, then I think maybe he has a spot in the NBA. But there's the other stuff too, like you mentioned, the travel when uh, he get the he got the catch underneath the rim. Uh, there was another shot that he missed when he was underneath the rim. Like there was just, it, it was kind of disappointing because I thought his screening was so good that because he's so quick and athletic, he can kind of flip screens at the very end. Uh, so when he was in pick and rolls with Bledsoe, like all of a sudden at the end he would just flip the screen and quickly go from the left side to the right side and there was a couple times where it freed Bledsoe and the one time that it did was when that travel happened like he freed Bledsoe Bledsoe got into the paint dumped it off to the Blombo at the last second and he was just like uh no I'm only 6'9 I can't dunk on the run I had to catch at a standstill and now what do I do and it turned into a travel so um things I like his screening his general activity level, his strength, his athleticism. I like all those things, but, man, it, I, I just wonder if his offensive game is good enough to be a contributor off the bench because, th- man, there's a lot that I like. I, I enjoyed watching him play throughout the night. So uh, we'll see if he can iron some of those things out, but if he can, I do think there there is some some fringe rotation minutes that Blumboy could could grab this year because when, when you look at or certainly until Jabari Parker comes back when you look at that that backup four or five position for the next month Toladovich is out I don't know who fills those minutes we saw uh, DJ Wilson in the game for a little bit he get, he's in for about a minute but he didn't really make much of an impact and uh, obviously the Bucks can go small they went very small with their starting lineup last night with Middleton at the four um, but there, there's some opportunity there, so I'll be interested to see how much he's up and how much he gets to play. Uh, so good on him for, I guess, making the most out of, the, of this first opportunity. DJ Wilson, as you mentioned, played one minute. Somebody asked me before the game yesterday, you know, if DJ Wilson, like, what is DJ Wilson finally going to play with with Giannis out and Toledovich out and Henson out? And I said, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, if he doesn't play tonight, you know, then he never, he's never going to play, and he ends up playing one minute chucked up a uh, a brick three and then didn't play again the rest of the game and i mean look it, it is early to be passing judgment on any rookie um but i mean if if you're the bucks and you look at where wilson is and the fact that clearly jason kidd doesn't have any confidence in playing him right i mean yeah. has been out a while he has one real power forward in Giannis, and he's been doing everything he can to not play dj wilson so far um last night DJ Wilson plays one minute. Um, you know, guys like Liggins play over 40 minutes. Uh, Middleton obviously played the four at times. Um, you know, Ballenboy and, and Maker play get all the center minutes. Um, clearly, I mean, if, if the Bucks if the Bucks would still take DJ Wilson if they redid the draft right now, I'd tell you they're either lying or stupid because I just, I mean, again, like, I, it's not to condemn him to like not being a, like ever be an NBA player or something like that, but it's like I don't know. I've I, I didn't really see really the, I, he was not a guy I really was on my radar at, at seventeen. Yep. I can see the arguments for sort of him having nice role playerish type skills in terms of being able to shoot and have skill level, but also being tall and stuff. But man, 
I don't know. I just don't really, I don't really see it with him. Um, and I, I'd love to be proven wrong. And I'm not going to sit here and you know say die on this hill that DJ Wilson will never be an NBA like a useful NBA player. But um, certainly that pick at this point. I mean, with with what it, with what a bunch of other guys drafted after him have shown. Obviously, John Collins probably being the main one. Um, yeah, I mean, DJ Wilson isn't a young prospect either. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be really close to figuring out what he's going to be for this team and um i don't know hopefully it turns around hopefully Giannis does not miss more games and hopefully they don't need uh to kind of run these ragtag lineups like they had to uh against the suns but um yeah not not a great sign from him we we did see a little bit more of of sterling brown he had a, a kind of reverse layup finish um missed three other shots uh i, I don't know I, I not that i don't think we necessarily saw him a whole lot different from Sterling than we've previously seen, which isn't that much. But um, I would say this: if 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 I was telling Sterling Brown who to watch, you know, you might say, "Well, watch Chris Middleton. Watch you know, watch one of the Bucks' better players." I'd tell Sterling Brown, "Go watch what DeAndre Liggins does. Go watch how he plays defense." Because if you can give me eighty-five percent of what DeAndre Liggins does defensively. You know your skill level offensively is going to carry you and let you play in this league over time. I think, I hope, um, because I think I think everybody would probably feel a lot better about the Bucks rotation if Sterling Brown was playing the DeAndre Liggins minutes and looking useful. Yep. Um, but obviously, right now, credit to Liggins. You know, he's he's a, he's a junkyard dog. You know, he just is annoying and tough and works his ass off defensively. And as much as you don't want him like dribbling the ball um, or getting the ball past him late in the clock, although he did hit that one jumper late in the clock tonight. Um, you know, he's taken advantage of his opportunity, clearly. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was talking to our Brew Hoop friends, Mitchell Maher and Eric Benning yesterday, and because Sterling kind of got in a, a little bit of a, I don't want to say a scuffle, but, you know, like an NBA scuffle where guys are kind of like talk and do whatever they do. And both of them said, like, oh, my God, like, is, is Sterling Brown an MFer? Because obviously that's what I've been calling DeAndre Liggins from the moment he got on the team. Like that's what that dude is. That's what he's about. And yeah, th- that was kind of where our minds went. Like if you can get some of that mfferism, mfferdom. I'm not really a hundred percent sure uh, <laughs> how to put that into a noun. Uh, but if you can get some of that essence, and then all of a sudden. DeAndre Liggins can actually dribble the ball. And DeAndre Liggins, uh, I don't want to say shoot the three because DeAndre Liggins has done that pretty well this season. Um, But if you can get some more of those other things offensively and still get a lot of what DeAndre Liggins brings you defensively, like you're looking at a good NBA player. Like you're looking at a guy that can actually help you out, take rotation minutes at the two and the three, and and be very useful. So um, I, I would totally agree. Just uh, emulate DeAndre Liggins and and see what you can kind of learn from him defensively. And uh, I mean, Liggins hasn't had uh, the best career, and I think it's largely because his offense limits him. But he has stuck around. Like he has been able to be on a couple teams, and he has been able, even if it has been some G League and back and forth, like he's been able to stick around because he is that tough guy, and he is uh, someone you just don't want to see if you're on the opposing team. So yeah, I, w- I would totally agree uh, with Sterling Brown there. Um, okay, one thing I want to ask you before we finish out. So we got to see a game where the Bucks didn't have Giannis, and it was just Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe. With no Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe as your two best players, one, how many games do you win? <laughs> and two, how many points per game does Chris Middleton average? Oh, well, this is a Steve Von Horn move because you didn't tell me you were going to ask me this, so I have to think of something on the fly. <laughs> um, for how many games they win? Um, well, let me think of it logically. So I said I thought this team, and obviously we can debate um, whether they'd win a lot more games with Jason, without with, without Jason Kidd and with a better coach. But let, let's just take this team as is, right? Like I, I said before the season, 45, 46 wins for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Giannis is worth certainly double-digit wins over yeah. the course of a season. Um, so I would say without Giannis, this is a, I don't know, 30-win team, maybe something like that. Okay, that's um, about where I was. Yeah, something, something like that. And I think as far as scoring... Um, 
Well, I mean, he's averaging 20 right now with with Giannis playing one of the games. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see. Bledsoe hasn't kind of probably found his rhythm offensively as much as he eventually will. Um, and obviously we're not seeing any Jabari Parker right now. So yeah. um, Chris is, you know, scoring maybe – well, he, but he also hasn't been shot the ball well. So that's another thing too. Like I think if Chris – normal Chris were playing right now, quote-unquote normal Chris, not early season Chris, um, he he would be over 20 because he'd be making more threes. Um, so without Giannis, how much how many does Chris a- average? Um, I mean, I think with defense is also focusing in on him, and obviously he's not going to play the Suns every night. Uh, I would say he could he could average 21, 22 points a game. I mean, I don't think he'd average a ton. I think he's just I think you can take his stuff away if he was more of the the guy. Um, but could he be like 21, 22 on maybe average efficiency? Yeah, I think he could do that. Because I've watched Devin Booker, and I see people drool over Devin Booker and his potential, and then I look at what Devin Booker like shoots, and I'm like, yeah, I think Chris Middleton could do that. Like right now, Booker, 18 shots a game, 44%. From three, shooting six and a half threes at 37%. For 23 points, four assists, four rebounds. I'm like, yeah, I think Chris could do that. Yeah, I, I think Booker is one of those guys that, and I famously was like a, a non-Booker believer in the draft, and I was clearly wrong about that. I mean, he's been much better than I certainly yeah. expected. He he has much more, he has a much better handle and, you know, just feel for shot creation than I really saw. And and again, a lot of it was because, you know, honestly, he didn't do any of that at Kentucky in yeah. part because he wasn't asked to. Um, so I, I look at Booker as a guy who, He's he's still young, right? And he came in the league as one of the youngest guys in the league, yeah. and he was very precocious, right? He was a, he was obviously very advanced for his age. Um, but I think one interesting thing that happens is, and I think you see this something you know with a guy like Jabari too, is when guys have like really obvious flaws and limitations when they're really young, a lot of people will just kind of write those off and say like, oh, they're young, right? Like, ah, oh, young guys don't play defense. <laughs> young guys yeah. don't do this, don't do that. Um, and with Booker. <sighs> I think I think I, let's just say this. I I do not you know I think in his second year like people were talking about like oh like he could be like a Harden type guy. Not that everyone was saying this, but I think there were some probably you know extreme views that would say he's going to like be a thirty point per game score or like be this insane score. And maybe he becomes that, but I don't know. He just feels more like a guy that um, he can get shots up. He can create quality shots. He's got a good handle. Yep. Um, but is he going to be like? You know the, the the best player on a good team type guy. I yeah, just, I, I just don't I, I don't see that. And again, that's not to say that like that's disappointing or something like that. I mean, the guy's you know twenty one or whatever, and he's averaging twenty three points a game on you know not horrible efficiency. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, that, I think that's a relevant. It's certainly an interesting argument, right? Um, and I think I think over time, like you know, and it, we're seeing we see it with young players, right? Like we're seeing it now with Carl Towns, like oh, he isn't starting to play defense that's a problem right like <laughs> yeah. kind of like guys guys kind of age out of a lot of the excuses and yep. we've seen this obviously with Jabari too right like you know and I don't think among Bucks fans um this is really an issue anymore but I think kind of more national people still look at Jabari and be like oh well you know if he gets to average defensively and it's like whoa whoa, whoa. If, he, <laughs> if he gets to average defensively he'd be like, incredible yeah <laughs> if he gets to average defensively we're gonna be doing backflips and like you know giving him a max contract or something but um, but yeah, so I think that's an interesting thing to watch with Booker is as he ages out, um, especially with sort of the lofty expectations that came with him kind of emerging very quickly and surprising. Um, you know, how does does he does he start to disappoint a bit more? Um, is he and, Kevin and Martin-y? I think there's a lot to that. He's he's Kevin Martin, but he's got a, a he's got a really pretty jump shot. So people like to romanticize that, whereas yeah. Kevin Martin didn't have that. But that's probably not a bad comp at all. Um, he may have a little bit more playmaking in him, but yeah. I mean, I still think of him as a gunner, right? So. Yeah. Okay. I think that's good. I, I feel good about us talking about the Bucks and feeling positive for a little while. So um, that's going to be it for us. Or, or you know, actually, you know, you know who else Booker could be? Who? Think of a guy who everybody thought of as a three-point shooter earlier in their career and then became just a straight-up scorer and maybe not as good of a... Uh, three-point shooter was kind of became maybe a little overrated as a three-point shooter and never led his team to anything and might have played in Milwaukee and might have worn number 22 yeah that's a good one 
because because I mean Booker get he draws fouls, you know. Yeah, he's he not, does. I mean, I don't know if he's a, a prodigious foul drawer, but like Michael yeah. became yeah, like people that's not people bad. romanticize Booker as like this like one of the league's best shooters or something like that. But his numbers don't really he's not that. They don't really bear that out. I mean, it looks like he should be a good shooter. Maybe he gets there, but um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of Michael yeah, Red. Yeah, Mike Red's not bad. I like that. Yeah. All right, that's going to be it for us. Uh, Frank, I'm going to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great day. All of our listeners, I'm going to wish you a happy Thanksgiving as well. And you know what, the Mocky Bucks, I'm going to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Though you have caused much consternation over the last couple weeks, you get a win in overtime and allow all of us to enjoy the turkey and mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie and all of the good food that we will eat today so thank you so much milwaukee bucks can can we wish a happy thanksgiving to Giannis's knee and yes uh, i would love you know, to whatever whatever Giannis's knee needs um that is i, I if Giannis's knee is healthy again on by saturday that is what i will give thanks for yes I'm, I'm totally down with that all right thank you for listening everyone hopefully you have very safe travels i know that is what everyone is doing this time of the year and hopefully this podcast made your travels or dealing with your family that much easier thank you so much this has been locked on bucks that was frank i'm eric we will talk to you sometime later